Wednesday and I'm, I'm at home, I'm in my living room uh, working on my computer and I'm just sitting in my living room uh, minding my business and uh, as you know, uh, our listeners don't know obviously, but at the front of our house we have this really, really big wide open like window. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very nice to look outside of uh, when the curtains are uh, you know drawn back. It looks quite see-through, obviously, because it's a window. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I noticed that there's a lot of birds like swarming around our front yard, our backyard, everything like that. It was just, it was a day for the birds, okay? And um, again, I'm sitting there minding my business and all of a sudden, whack, a bird flies into our window. Don't worry, don't worry. This is a, it has a happy ending. It's not a sad ending. But this bird smacked so hard into our window that our dogs barked. Oh my God. Like, that's how you know it was like, whoa, you know? Uh, and it definitely caught me by surprise. So I'm like, okay, uh, what do I do? And I, I run outside and I see this uh, small, uh, I think it was a robin, you know? Uh, it looks like a robin. Uh, and it's, it's just sitting there, like underneath the window. It's standing, but not moving. And it's got its eyes closed. And it's just like kind of bobbing like mm. back and forth. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, I know what to do. And so I get some gloves and a towel and it's cold and rainy out there. Mm-hmm. So like I, I knew that the bird needs to de-stimulate because stimulation when they're like all like uh, seeing stars and like dizzy and stuff mm-hmm. is not good for them. They need to be able to recover. Uh, and Usually, you can just leave the bird if there's no, like, broken wing or leg or anything or blood. Mm-hmm. And I checked for all those things. The beak was still intact. Everything, right? This bird was just clearly, like, seeing stars dizzy. And so, people speed past our house. You know, it's rainy and cold. I was like, okay, I'm going to take this bird inside. Uh, I'm not going to give it food or water. Don't do that, okay? okay? Um, and I put him in the bathtub in our bathroom. And I turned the light off closed the door, and I was like, you just chill, okay? And uh, I waited about an hour until I heard fluttering. Like, it started to flutter and everything. And I actually have pictures for you. Sorry, listeners, you don't get to see the picture. Uh, <laughs> oh, there, Yeah, there's our little bird fella. And, and so I put him in there and waited until he, you know, started fluttering about, mm-hmm. went in there, um, you know, wrapped my finger around his, his, his little feet, his little mm-hmm. legs, you know, like you would, like a biologist would, and then cupped him with the towel uh-huh. and, um, brought him outside and let him go free. Oh. And it was just really nice. Honestly, it was, it felt good to do a good deed. I also, you know, posted about it. And one of my friends said, well, that bird hit the right window. And that's, that's, that's a good way of thinking about it. Honestly. Yeah, um, so my advice to you is if that happens to you, which it's pretty common that it yeah. happens, um, check for broken wings, broken feet, leg, whatever, uh, broken beak. If there's any blood or anything, you might have to call someone. I mean, uh, if you care that much, I mean, I care. I try yeah. and help every animal I can. Um, but if there's nothing wrong with the bird, then usually it can just like kind of chill on a normal day. But since it was cold and rainy and there's like, a lot of cars that speed past. I was like, nah, you need a quiet little space to chill and recover. So mm. 
the reason I bring this story up is Wednesday was also what day? What yeah, happened on Wednesday? We had the presidential inauguration that day. The presidential inauguration of Joseph Biden. And I want to share a little uh, tidbit of information with you. Um, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, it's kind of an etymology, mm-hmm. um, his story, um, kind of story. Yeah. Uh, and so augury sounds like inauguration, right? It does. Augury. It's literally spelled pretty much the same. And so augury is the practice from Roman ancient religion of interpreting omens. Okay. So it's basically like predicting the future or having premonitions, uh, all from the observed behavior of birds. Okay. And so, um, this is actually where we get the word inauguration. And it's kind of interesting that, you know, studying birds and their, uh, relation to, uh, futures and things like that. Mm. Uh, now we have the word inauguration, inaugural. Okay. And I bring this up because we're about to talk about the inauguration. Did you watch the inauguration by the way? Um, not on like news or anything. Okay. Um, I tuned in to most of the parts of it from, uh, a Twitter live stream. Um, I don't, really watch cable news. I don't think I'll ever watch cable news. Um, I seek out all of my news stuff, so I don't, you know. Uh, but I watched some of it. Mostly yeah. saw pictures. Um, yeah. Yeah. How about you? Did you watch it? So I, uh, since I was home, like I mentioned, working mm-hmm. from home, I was able to flip on the um, the official um, presidential inauguration on YouTube, which mm. is, uh, it's a whole new world, you know, we're yeah. able to stream it. Uh, on YouTube and things. Uh, yeah, so I watched it from uh, YouTube, and I got to see all the uh, all the people walk down the steps. I got to see, uh, you know, the, uh, the poet laureate Amanda Gorman. I got to see Lady Gaga, who, ironically, you know, was wearing a bird. A bird. On, yeah, that was amazing. Uh, very Hunger Games feeling. Yeah, bit. it did, yeah. Uh, but it was cool, that. you know? It was cool. Um, and ties in with the whole inauguration type mm-hmm. of thing yeah uh love you that. think they did that on purpose i think she wore a bird on purpose i don't know if that was the reason i gotcha. I, don't, I just don't know maybe the designer i don't know maybe the designer is like a bird nerd like yeah me. maybe they knew i would imagine that's true yeah yeah, yeah. we're just that gonna give sense. them the benefit of the doubt yeah yeah, yeah. um j-lo made an appearance she did. and then of course there was a really great photograph that was taken that day <laughs> yeah uh, who was that about uh one mr bernie sanders oh yes uh senator bernie sanders uh, from vermont uh and <laughs> let's talk about those memes <laughs> they they've definitely been the highlight of the inauguration i think i care more about um the mittens that he bought from a teacher handmade from a teacher yes this pose is amazing mm-hmm. Um, it was very, like, I definitely paid attention for the fashion, uh, this year. There was some really nice outfits, for sure, and it was just funny seeing Bernie in his favorite jacket with his teacher mittens, and he was just sitting there like he had things to do afterwards, like, he, he, they were lucky he made an appearance. Yeah, I liked, uh, there was one meme where it was, like, um, it said Bernie's, uh, 
schedule for the day or something and it was like 9 a.m uh pick up dry cleaning 11 a.m by uh joe's thing joe's thing <laughs> joe's that's thing. hilarious uh and then it was like uh 3 p.m uh run by the post office because he had that envelope <laughs> he did have that envelope um that was great um and i love the bernie memes they're hilarious they're um, so good you know would Should i rather have, have him uh yeah uh, should have been up on yeah yeah well we can uh we'll just slide right past that conversation let's just keep focus on the bernie memes yeah Um, there were some real standouts for me oh there was one uh where he was hanging upside down with a family of bats (laughs) if you know me i love bats and i think Uh that's that was great really uh really the thing about the bernie meme is that whether you're a firefighter or an accountant or uh, a painter, or a teacher. Bernie found a way to <laughs> be placed in a meme about your industry. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Like, yeah, you know, he was everywhere. And was. really quickly. In like, yeah, in a day. Like, less than a day, he was everywhere. Everyone knew it. Everyone was laughing. Some people were laughing because, you know, they, maybe they don't like Bernie, which... Again, we could talk about that. Yeah. I liked the Bernie memes. What I liked about it, and feel free to share your thoughts, uh, I liked that it was so on brand. Like, Bernie showed up in the coat that he always wears. It's literally the same coat from the (laughs) the previous meme. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He showed up in the same coat. He's wearing mittens that were uh, knitted by a teacher. Um, And he's just got that very, you know... That look of he's yeah. not I don't know if he's throwing shade I think it's more that he's just like really <laughs> right like really yeah I think that was kind of it uh, and so I felt it was just on brand for Bernie to show up uh, in not only that attire but in that type of mood you yeah know? it's good stuff he, I like he, it. yeah he definitely he showed them for sure um, out of all the outfits, I think his was my favorite. It was very, um, I don't know. It was just sort of like, it was kind of like a power move a little bit, I feel like. Like he just, like the whole Joe's thing, you know, like he yeah. just showed up for Joe's thing. Yeah. I think it was also a power move because it's like, if you listen to the people, or I guess a lot of the people that are so upset with our government, they're asking for the politicians to be more for the people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm, I don't know how much more you could be for the people than to show up like that, to be yeah. honest. You know, like, come on, y'all. You're over here decrying all these different things that Bernie says and does. And it's like, mm, you have more in common with Bernie than Joseph Biden. Just saying. And Donald Trump. That's also, true. So, eh. That's very true. But that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> to be honest. And we're not here for that today. Right. Uh, I real briefly mentioned the sweater. That uh-huh. he, he made? Did you see this? Who? Bernie. Bernie made a sweater? Officially, yeah. So he took the picture, the meme of him, put it on a on a sweater, sold it for 45 That's a very specific number. $45. Uh-huh. And donated it to charity. Wow. Meals on Wheels, Vermont. It's that's like, awesome. That's you know, so cool. That is just... That's on brand as well. Yeah. That's, we love to see it. Love yeah. to see it. So, um, so yeah. I, uh, I've been watching, um, lately I've been watching Wheel of Fortune with my parents, um, and, 
right after some I think it's not every night. I think it's just some nights. But right after Wheel of Fortune ends, you can watch Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, which lasts twice as long. And I don't know, I've been thinking like after seeing all these pictures and also, you know, just cuz he is, I would really love to see Bernie on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. I think he uh, I don't know who he would I don't know who the other contestants would be. But I just think Maybe two young people who really like Bernie and Bernie Sanders would be a fun, a fun uh, celebrity. Not that he's a celebrity, like right, like he's he's a politician. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I just think it would be fun to see him on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. I mean, he is. We could argue celebrity status. But right. Like, right. A celebrity that that's different. Yeah, I got yeah. you. Plus, they do uh, they do that for charity. They do the celebrity one for. They don't keep the money. That but it goes to charity. Exactly. So it would be that's lovely. Fun. And I want to hear them say, "Spin that wheel." <laughs> yes, exactly. Spin it. Uh, that would be great. I would, would watch. Be great. Right. I, I would actually would. buy cable just for the <laughs> just day. Just for that. Yeah. Just for the day, it would be worth it. Honestly. Um, we are a table here of uh, non-cable users. Yeah. And it's going to stay that way, to be honest. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever have cable. No. No. Um, I mean, I use it, but I, I don't think... I secondhand watch cable. Like, my par- I watch whatever my parents put on at the time. Like, Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. What I think about this whole situation is, like, <laughs> there are all these streaming sites... Are literally taking their shows off of things like Netflix and Amazon Prime and stuff mm-hmm. like that and creating their own. Yeah. And we're literally just going to see them all split up and then bundle again. It's like, yeah. then why'd you, why'd you do, why? You're just going to go back to bundling. So yeah. it's, it's all marketing. It it's is. all marketing, trying to get our, more of our money. Netflix is going up to seventeen ninety nine. By the way, whoa! Yeah, that's a real thing that happened this week, oh. uh, and so, so yeah. I mean, it's literally just trying to uh, market the exclusivity of you know their streaming and everything. It's like, um, do you want people to pirate the Office? Yeah. Because that's how people pirate your Office. You know, didn't so. didn't they take that off of Netflix? Recently? Yeah, yeah, it's that on um, uh, Peacock now. Yeah, which is the new. Um, NBC? NBC? Yeah, yeah, NBC. Yep, yep, yep. Sucks. <sighs> um, yeah, I mean, I think a certain group definitely noticed that happening with Netflix uh, because a little while, like a couple of years ago, Netflix started um, taking all of the good anime off of Netflix. Um, it used to be, Netflix really used to be a hotspot for, for anime. Uh, and I think Hulu has has really taken over uh, in the spotlight. I mean, they have a ton of shows, and they have a bunch of uh, English dubs. So if you can't watch subtitles, then you know Hulu has um, come around for me. I will yeah, say, I was not a big fan of Hulu for a long time. Same. <clears throat> I was kind of resistant to changing over to it, um, and then uh, Hulu. Uh, like you mentioned, started getting um, very specific comedy shows and anime mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I don't know if you've watched this, but uh, What We Do in the Shadows? Have you... I don't think I have. Okay. It sounds familiar. Listeners, if you've heard of this show, you're probably smiling from ear to ear. Because this show is just such a delight. Mm-hmm. And 
it's it's based off the movie while we do in the shadows which is a uh, New Zealand production uh, and it's basically the premise is three <laughs> three vampires are roommates oh okay that sounds fun it's fun and so like one of them's like 800 years old one of them's like 2000 years old or something the other is like 73 or something so like, <laughs> and obviously they're like immortalized in the age they became a vampire right and so it's very fun that they're all vampires and they're in modern day society living as roommates and it's just glorious mm-hmm. it's so funny uh some people might not like the dry humor but i love it and so they took that movie idea and then adapted it from the same producers and creators into a TV show, and it is on Hulu, and it is great. There's two seasons. Highly recommend it. Have to um, check it out. Yeah. At least give it a try. Yeah. Get like three episodes in, and if you don't like it, then okay, you know that's I'm not I'm not forcing you at right. gunpoint gun yeah. to watch this show. <laughs> I mean, at Unless least not we yet. Are. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that I'm always like, it, not yet. Right. Right. I don't know. I might change. Who knows. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Uh, next week, if uh, if I need help, you guys, I'll let you know. If Jacob starts holding me at gunpoint to watch his shows. Yeah. Uh, you might tweet out, because I don't use Twitter, you might tweet out some uh, code words. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we want to make sure that uh, we do not condone violence. No. Unless. Yet. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um... Yeah, uh, wow, that was a fun little... You know, I, I saw recently, uh, speaking of, of streaming services, this morning I saw uh, Netflix is doing a new anime with the uh, creator of the Boondocks show. About It's a show about the uh, first black samurai. And there's, there's a statue of the first black samurai, I believe, in Japan. But I could be wrong. Um... And the the creator of the Boondocks is turning it into a into a show, hmm. uh, with uh, with Netflix. Yeah, I saw that and thought it was really cool. Huh. We'll have to learn more about that. I don't know the historical <laughs> right. accuracy of um, the first Black Samurai or anything, but I love samurai and yeah. I love Japanese culture and learning about Japanese history. So I would be into this. Um, I, I'm definitely going to look into the history side of it before I watch it, but awesome. I am excited for it because it looks really good. And the boondocks. I mean, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Great you know, show. That's really great. So, um, yeah, we'll learn more about that and circle back uh, maybe next week. Somewhere. Yeah, or if there's any more development. I, ju- yeah. I think it just got announced today or yesterday. Okay. So uh, we'll check the, in like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the Netflix thing made me think of that. Um, I feel like we're a radio talk show sometimes. Like, I feel like naturally that's where we might belong. I don't know. Because, like, yeah, this is a podcast. But, like, we're talking as if, like, well, you see us in, in two hours at 4 p.m. And we'll have an update for you. It's like, it feels like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Do you listen to radio talk shows? Um, not since... Oh, boy. Do you listen to the radio? Not anymore. <gasps> oh. No. So you get in your car, and radio's not even... Not even... No, I, I don't even... There's dust my... on the button. Yeah, oh, for sure. gosh. Yeah, okay. all my other buttons are worn down, except for the radio one. So. Okay, this might be a question to our listeners. Am I the only millennial still listening to radio? 
Well, I, I used to listen to, to radio. I was even on the radio. I had my own show called The Bubble Bath for yes. a short time. You, I remember that. Um, and you tell me about that. It was with a group of my friends. All of our initials made the spelled out the word bath. <laughs> so that's why we made our show The Bubble Bath. It was, right. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just... I, radio got boring to me because... In our area, there's nobody that I care about or nobody that I can relate to. Um, at least not that I know of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know. So, I, I and I definitely uh, feel that I felt the same way until I moved to Austin. Mm. And, of course, I don't live there now. But when I lived in Austin, I found a radio show that I really loved. And it was, you know, part talk, you know, uh, but also just really really solid music choices mm. and um it felt like being like new music friday you know like that spotify playlist like where they're playing like the hot and fresh mm-hmm. instead of like you know the thing that's been on the charts for six months yeah. like they're playing like the very new and uh, uh it was just really good they had interviews with uh artists and stuff like that and then they did a lot of like nonprofit and like community outreach in austin and that got me back into radio and the reason I had to listen to the radio was because at the time the company car that I was driving didn't have another option Mm. I didn't have like ox or anything I'm driving dogs around all day and so I'm like well I'm gonna listen to something and so I found this radio station loved it even was a donating uh, member and it just got me back into radio now what I've realized is that a lot of people um export talent or sorry import talent Mm -hmm. and so it's like yes we're in dfw but the best radio shows the people don't live here Mm. it's hosted here it's it's hosted maybe nationwide uh but maybe they're in chicago or maybe they're in you know miami or maybe they're in la or something you know and it's like it's yeah it's 103.7 or something or 97.1 or whatever and it's like, I love those two radio shows, uh, and 97.1 is based here, uh, but yeah, anyways, we're not here to talk about radio, are no, we? No, 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 we're here to, we're here to talk about birds. Did you want to talk about more? I would like to talk about birds, just one, just a few more. Okay, good. If because you will indulge. I will, if you'll indulge uh, me also with birds, because yeah. I don't know, Jacob, something about birds kind of... Go ahead. Can we be sure that they're real? Sustained. Allow. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on you, Jacob. I don't know what those court words mean. <laughs> I don't know anything about. I don't know anything. Overruled. About. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. So you're think, questioning the realness. Well, but like, show me proof that they aren't fake. That's see. That's what I thought. Because it's like. <laughs> what I'm I'm listening. Do you hear? I hear it. They're trying to communicate. What would be the point of a government drone announcing where it is? I mean, come so on. It's That's hiding, number one. Hiding in plain sight. If you if everybody thinks birds are real, nobody's gonna question it. Okay, but we carry around these phones and they're certainly <laughs> getting more information from us than a government drone bird. Also, have you seen all the different types of of birds there are there's a lot okay. there's a lot what of is... different birds here's what okay. i'm gonna ask you and this might dispel 
any you know conspiracy by the way a conspiracy is a group of crows anyways so here's my question Uh have you seen the different types of birds and the multitude of colors of their plumage yes do you think our government (laughs) is smart enough and good enough to come up with that no the answer is no no i don't think birds are fake I just think it's a fun... I rest my case. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I mean, it's it's fun to... I feel like it's fun to toy around with. um, Because it's like a... I don't know. It's a harmless... It's fun. I do like it. I I don't uh, get mad about the whole words aren't real campaign. I see bumper stickers. I see coffee mugs. I see t-shirts. Yeah. It's fun. I would wear a t-shirt. I would wear a t-shirt. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I just, it's one of the ones that I'm fascinated with. Like I'm, it's one of the conspiracy theories that I'm fascinated with that the JFK shooting, sure. although I don't, I don't believe that there was a conspiracy with the JFK shooting, Ooh. but I really like it. Uh, okay. and the moon landing. I, the moon. I think we've been to the moon because I'm a firm believer in space and space exploration. Um, but I do really, really like the the idea that we had a fake moon landing. I think it's really cool. Also, my mom does not believe that we have been to the moon. Okay. At yeah. All. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the moon, um, I've got a very interesting uh, tidbit of information. There is a migratory bird, a Arctic tern, and what it does is it migrates so far that in a given year. It's basically traveling to the moon and back. Wow. Yeah. Like almost two or three times. That's how far it travels. And there's so many different facts about birds that are just lovely. Uh, I'm going to talk about my favorite bird. Okay. It's a very specific bird. uh, And it's technically a bird of paradise. So Mm. think of like Papua New Guinea. It's my favorite flower. What? Yeah, I do like those flowers. Yeah, very pretty. Um, and so it's the McGregor's Bowerbird. Oh. Okay, McGregor's Bowerbird is really unique and interesting for a lot of reasons. And well, one, it has a red mohawk. The males have like this red mohawk. That's pretty cool. That uh, cool. And the males, what they do is they create a bower. Do you know what a bower is? I don't. So a bower is a structure or a shelter but it's usually in the bird world used to attract a mate right so if if male number one builds a better bower than male number two male number one is going to have the better chance to mate okay gotcha um on that note mcgregor's bower birds are polygamous so they do not they do not have the whole monogamy structure in their life that's fine and they build these Forgive me, Bower Towers. I know. And so I'm going to try and paint the best picture I can. Now, take a bunch of twigs, like kindling, like sticks, like really, really small twigs, and start putting them in this like almost like octagonal shape on the ground, and then just start overlaying them and building this tower upwards, right? And these birds, literally with their beaks, will grab sticks and build crisscrossing bower towers, mm. right? And they can be up to like two feet tall, which is crazy for a bird that can fit in your hand, Yeah. Right? And <clears throat> then they make this ring around the bower 
like a like almost like a moat, mm-hmm. like a circle around it, and it's this path that they travel around their tower, right? And what they do is they decorate their tower much like a Christmas tree with berries. Oh, so they hang wow. berries all over this bower tower, right? And I'm only saying bower tower because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Technically, it's just a bower. Right. Okay. Right. Now it's like saying key line. They're the it, same. It's like chai tea. You don't have to right. say tea. Exactly. Chai is tea. Chai is tea. You, yeah. You don't have to say the tea part. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so back to the bower. Okay, so they build these bowers, and then they use uh, mimicry, which mm-hmm. is like, um, you know, mimicking sounds and stuff like that, to attract the females. <clears throat> and these males will chirp, 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 chirp. You know, attract the female. Once they know the female is nearby. They will, um, they will mimic different sounds in their environments. They have been known to mimic pigs squealing. They have been known to uh, mimic traffic. They have been known to mimic children playing on a school ground. Think about that. That's crazy. That is crazy. The level of, I, I don't even know what to call it. The level of just, maybe they aren't real. I don't know. But the level of just craziness that it, that it takes to be able to mimic all these different things like that mm. is so fascinating to me. So once they get the female to land near their bower in that kind of remote structure, single, guess what they do? What? They play a game of hide and seek. Whoa. Yeah. These so, parts are so cool. I know. And so so um, think of it like um, this. Again, listeners, I'm sorry. I'm going to try and paint this picture for you. Think of... My finger one here and finger two, and this water bottle in front of me is the bower. So if bird one goes over, they they like kind of oh. circle this tree. They stay on opposite sides. They stay yeah. on opposite sides, and the point is they're showing their agility. Mm-hmm. So the, not only does the male have to be uh, expert at mimicry, uh, but also build an incredible bower, and then also a master at hide and seek. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's just like, and then the last thing is really that red. So what it does is kind of like, kind of like a cockatoo, you know, okay. where they're like, you know, and the yeah. the feathers come up from the neck. Uh, it's like that, but it's this bright red, you know, shimmering uh, mohawk, and That's so cool. all of these things, and then the female still might say, no, <laughs> sorry, which. I mean, power to you, honestly. And so that's my favorite bird right now. I'll let you know if it changes. Um, That that sounds like a cool bird. What was it called? McGregor's Bowerbird. McGregor's Bowerbird. Okay. Okay. Um, Also, here's another fun um, tidbit of information. McGregor was the naturalist biologist that was studying the bird right okay and named the bird mcgregor's bowerbird not after himself but after his wife lady mcgregor isn't that i mean come on y'all it's sweet but like no one's gonna know you know like if you that is true I'll, i'll take it back so this is in the 1800s and so men still rule the world and that's true technically yeah, that is Anyways, sweet so, though. It's sweet it that is you sweet. Have the thought. So they'll never. Yeah, that's a good point. No one's ever gonna give her the. If you look at it know. without going too deep, if you just look at this is the cool McGregor bird, 
It's romantic on and, the surface. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Which in the 1800s, that's that's, all that's you not have. bad. Yeah. That's halfway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's McGregor's Bowerbird. There's uh, certain birds that are known to fly uh, thousands of miles higher than Mount Everest. Think about wow. that. And so the, um, the craziness of that feat is that they're floating at, or they're flying at um, heights that are like flying in an airplane. Mm-hmm. That's just wild to me. And they can breathe up there. These birds are dinosaurs, and they know, for all I'm concerned, if there is an apocalypse and every human dies, birds are going to be still. They're going to still be here. They're going to be here forever. They're going to outlive us. So that's why I'm like, go you. You did it. Well done. My favorite bird is the tit. Because it's a funny name. It's also a palindrome. What's a palindrome? When the... The word itself is spelled forwards and backwards. Oh, whoa. Yeah, so tit. Like a, a taco cat. Like race car? Yeah. Taco cat. Taco That's a cat. good one. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah, I used to be obsessed with taco cat in elementary school. Yeah. Yeah. Taco cat. Um, <laughs> Very niche. Very niche. Very niche. If you if you know it, you know it. You um, do, yeah. A quick Google search will help you. You'll or, uh, YouTube search will, will help you figure it out. Um, I've always had a hard time understanding birds. Um, there are just certain things that I cannot wrap my head around, like, uh, how paint mixes. I just, I cannot understand how paint, I just don't get it. Like how, how the texture and the, the thickness of it, I just don't understand how the color mixes. Um, I don't really get planes, uh, all that much. And I think just birds, I just don't get it, you know? Like, I, I don't know. I know there's, like, a physics explanation to how birds can fly, but it's just so crazy to me. You know, like, how does everything not have that? You know, like, everything has, almost everything has lungs. Yeah. So it's, like, how do, not, how do, I don't know. You know, it's an evolution. Evolution, thing. yeah. It, I just, birds are just crazy yeah. to me. Well, sticking um, on that, um, I mean, you, you're totally right. I mean, mm-hmm. you're fair to ask those questions, and I don't think we have to understand everything but it's beautiful that humans develop science to be able to understand things one thing that is currently stumping a lot of minds is the three-toed skink which is a type of you know like a lizard basically it's almost like a salamander kind of thing uh and here's the funny thing is that a three-toed skink uh has three toes Mm -hmm. and that's not the crazy part that's not even the crazy part these three-toed skinks have found a way evolutionarily uh whether it's because of predation you know uh, predatory prey Mm -hmm. relationship or climate change or anything they don't currently know why but they're able to not only lay eggs but also give live birth in the same gestation and pregnancy that's so so think about it so in the mama belly Uh they can have eggs and live birth at the same time so one might pop up and it's an egg. The next might pop out and it's an actual already, you know, uh, wriggling around, squirming yeah. around lizard. Isn't that just crazy? Yeah. Do they like, do the, is there any difference between the, the two, the egg and the live birth? Is there? So, uh, with my limited understanding, I don't think there's anything quite different. I th- Here's my theory. 
I think it's based on a predation uh, relationship. So you got to think about it. Why would an animal lay an egg and have a live birth? You know, if the live birth baby is able to move around or even be able to be moved because, you know, the, the, the skink can maybe grab or um, put put the, the baby in its mouth and run away from a predator but they can't move an egg. There's no way you can move an egg. I mean, these are small animals. How are you gonna move that egg, right? Mm. And so for me, I think it's that. I think that's what they've developed is that over time, the something in their ecosystem, the predator that hunts them and eats their eggs, because they used to be just eggs mm-hmm. laying, and now they're able to give life birth. Right? So we know that it was eggs first? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's the crazy thing. I think it's based on that and so Mm. they're giving live birth to give their species a fighting chance to run away from the increasing predation on their eggs right that would make sense that's just what i i mean make me a scientist honestly yeah what am i doing no No. uh but i'm gonna let the scientist be the scientist i'll just share it that makes sense though because it's like yeah and maybe they just never got rid of the ability to to lay eggs because uh, it's like laying eggs is just like leaving your baby in an unlocked car i, yeah. mean, uh, I mean you see the sea turtle issue yeah you know? yeah that's, that's a big one uh maybe and they'll start doing the same in like 10 to 20 years that's oh my gosh that if we start crazy. seeing it all around that would be crazy to think yeah. about and um i think um what i got from the scientific study was um they said the, the lead scientist believes that it's a transitory phase. So it's like they're transitioning into just mm. being live birth, which could make sense. Yeah. And so maybe right now it's 50-50. And then 10 years from now, it's 75% live birth, 25% lay, egg laying. And then 20 years, maybe it's 100% live yeah. birth. That's interesting. So I'm going to follow up. And if you guys are still with me in 20 years... <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> evolution. Yeah. Wild. S- uh, speaking of, of evolution, uh, we have a lot of evolutionary responses ourselves uh, that I feel like we go through day to day. Especially with like, well, you know, we have like, people can say they're not afraid of the dark, but everybody's afraid of the dark. It's part of being of being human it's part of being a non-nocturnal animal you know so we you know i think it was just because back when we were uh less when we didn't have light really um and we barely had like fire um i think it was just we couldn't do anything at night because we couldn't see so we are we we evolved to be afraid of the dark so that way we wouldn't get ourselves killed by like trying to hunt at night um, and, you know, we have an evolutionary fear of bears. We, you know, tons of other animals. Yeah. Um, but one uh, evolutionary response that really sticks out to me is we have a, uh, a natural evolutionary fear of human-like beings, which means it, it, that brings the... the um, what's the word? It, it insinuates that at some point there was something to be afraid of. Like if we, if we have that fear, 
that is just natural to our brains, then at some point there was something to cause that fear. Essentially. Obviously, I don't think we have any proof of any human-like beings yet, but, uh, you know, that's just something that's really fascinated me and has really stuck with me this week uh, was discovering that we have this actual fear of uh, human-like creatures, Uh, which, I don't know, it could stem from other people. It could stem from, I don't know, something that went extinct. Uh, at the same time, our population was growing, you know, I don't know. Could be aliens. Mm. Could be. Mm. That is interesting. Um, I guess I haven't really put a lot of thought into it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with the dark thing. Okay. What, what do you think is the underlying reason for being afraid of the dark still? Still? Even when you're at home. You know you're safe. But I do you? Right, exactly. Yeah. So is it trust? I think I've always been afraid of the dark. I'm still incredibly afraid of the dark. Um, but I think that's probably because I believe in the supernatural, um, which maybe could be a, a factor. But I don't know. I think if if it's dark, then you know you can't really see what's going on. Like if it. If my lights in my backyard are off, I can't see what's in my backyard. I can't see if there's somebody or something right there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have a big fear of home invasion. So that might be... I think think that is natural. I think a lot of people have that. Um, Because home, shelter, it's it's supposed to be your comfort. It's supposed to be your place where you rest and feel at peace uh, and... And so for me, I think it's like, I'm afraid of the dark maybe because of a distrust in my own ability, Mm. not necessarily a distrust in other people. Okay. So think about it like this. So like, yes, home invasion is a real possibility, but I think what it actually is, is maybe in the dark, I don't trust my ability to protect myself. That makes a lot of sense. So I flipped the script, basically. So yeah. like, I think this, I have a little bit. Does of that, that make sense? So yeah. it's like, so you know, you sit in the dark and um, you know, you literally can't see anything. It's really hard to see anything, and so uh, because of that, you know, um, it's almost dipping into the whole uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, where Bane, you know, says um, you merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. And Bane is able to fight Batman, uh, who's supposed to be this like this knight of the dark, right? Mm-hmm. And Bane is able to start beating him up because he was born in it. It's it's what he knows. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah. And so it's like his ability, his trust level is heightened because that's where he is, uh, you know, born and raised, mm-hmm. is this dark, and he developed the senses there. And so... Um, to that, I would say, like, I always think about home invasion, and I think it's part of the reason I have very large dogs and, you know, certain weapons and things like that. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a camera system. I don't have an alarm system or anything. And so, I, I don't know. I don't think I think about it that much, to right. be honest, because I have trust in my dogs mm-hmm. and 
if I can admit that I don't have trust in my ability to defend myself in the dark, I can start to see how I lower the expectation for another human to be able to fight in the dark. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's kind of like equaling out the playing field. I don't know. But on your note on supernatural stuff, do I have some stories for you? Okay. Do you want to get into of it? Of course I want to get into okay. it. Okay. And they didn't even happen in the dark necessarily. Uh, one of them did. One okay. Of them, I'll tell two stories. First one is I'm in fifth grade. Uh, so what, that's like 10 years old, something like that. Uh, old enough to trust my my senses. Young enough to be like, what the heck was that? You know? Hmm. So we're in my parents' home, actually, you know, obviously, and I'm sitting in the living room chair. It's about 4.30 in the afternoon, so there's light kind of coming through the house, but it's not like, how would I say? It's, it's piercing the house. It's not like enveloping the house. It's like okay. shooting through the windows because of the time of day, right? And so we have the front room, that has like this, uh, this door with kind of like the shimmering glow mm-hmm. of it in the window, and lights coming through. And so, I'm sitting there, tying my soccer cleats, getting ready for soccer practice. I'm about to be picked up. I'm home alone, mm-hmm. so fear is already heightened. Oh yeah. So that could add to the story, but I'm sitting there and I don't hear anything, but I see something move out of the corner of my eye. I turn my head slowly and I watch an elderly man, you know, that I've never seen before, walk from one room past that door of light into the hallway. And so, and when I say like seeing an elderly man, I don't mean like flesh and bone, obviously. I mean like the kind of silhouette or like the almost, yeah, ghostly figure, right? This person doesn't feel harmful, doesn't feel dangerous. But I'm like, well, they're not supposed to be there, you know? And so walks into the hallway and I just, I'm like stunned a little bit. I'm like, uh, okay. And so being 10 years old, I did not go and check. All I did was went out the garage, which is on the other side of the house and got picked up for soccer practice. And I was like, I'm just going to go to practice. I'm not going to think about it. I'm, I knew no one was home, so I'm like, well, I'm not worried about anyone being at home and getting, you know, ghost murders or whatever. (laughs) And so, um, go to practice, kind of forget about it until like, mm, maybe like two weeks go by, right? And my dad asked me if I believed in ghosts, which was interesting because I never said anything to my parents. My dad asked me if I believed in ghosts and I said, yes. I was like, but why are you asking me? He's like, so I think I've seen a ghost before. And I was like, okay, like do tell, you know? And we're just in the truck together talking. And he goes, I think I saw an old man in our house. And I was like, no, really? And he was like, he was like, yeah. And I know that the previous couple that lived there were two elderly people. And I was like, okay, so go on. And... He says, I was sitting in the chair in the living room, same chair that I was sitting in, in my story. And he said, I see this elderly man walk from the hallway to the front room. So the exact opposite of what I saw from the front room to the hallway. He saw from the hallway to the front room. Mm. And I was like, dad, 
I saw that same guy. And we both just kind of looked at each other and we were like, whoa. And so that was it. Like we decided that it wasn't threatening or anything. We were just like, okay, that was weird. You know, mm-hmm. now that we know something exists. Cut to about seven years later and no ghost stories in that time until I have a friend staying over and you know, you're 17, you got your best friend staying over, you're up late at night. And again, that's important to talk about because that could influence the story, you know, up late at night playing games or whatever. And it's just me, my friend and my dad, my dad's fast asleep on the other side of the house. And my mom and my grandmother were not home. They were out of town for the weekend and we're playing some game and my friend goes, Hey, did, did you hear that? I was like, no. So we paused the, the game and mute it. And he goes, I swear I just heard two women talking. And I was like, what? He was like, okay, maybe I'm just hearing things. I was like, yeah, you're probably just hearing things. And so we cut back the TV on and we're playing again. And then not even 30 seconds later, I heard it too. And we look at each other and we're like, what? The heck and so we pause it mute it and the voices continue on and then stop like as if we're they know we're listening okay and so we were like what the heck what the heck you know like what is happening and we're just like kind of like freaking out a little bit and i was like should we go check he was like dude no he was like what is wrong with you he's like let's just keep the tv on tonight i was like oh okay yeah that's it that's a good plan of action you know i was like all right we'll just tune it out anyways couple months go by and I'm cleaning out my closet because I'm actually packing to move to college mm-hmm. and I'm getting ready to graduate. And so I'm going through my closet and mind you, I've lived in that house since I was five. So that's what, 12, 13 years almost, you know? Yeah. And certainly we've cleaned out that closet before. And so I'm cleaning out the closet and you know that like, that like paper liner that old homes used to have on like shelves. Mm-hmm. So we clean down my closet and I noticed that there's that paper liner, but there's something underneath the paper liner kind of sticking out just a little bit. And I was like, um, okay. So I, I think it's probably just like some paper that I misplaced or something. I pull it out and I instantly know it's old. And the date says 1991. Mm. It's got a girl's name on it. Okay. Wait, what year is it? Currently, Currently the, the year was 2010. Okay. So it's like 20 years. So, yeah. yeah. And so the, the piece of paper says 1991. It's got a girl's name on it that I've never heard of. Didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it's a homework packet. But it's a psychology homework packet. Whoa. All about the mind. And I'm just kind of like, whoa. And I show my mom and she goes, okay, that's freaky. <laughs> That is freaky. And so I look it up. I'm curious now. I'm like, okay, what? I look it up on Google and um, I look up the school. I look up the girl and I can't find really that much. I can't find anything about the girl necessarily. I find that the school was closed down like just a few years after that paper must have been uh, done, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, this is all really fascinating and weird and interesting. Right? Because then we had those two women that were talking, those women's voices who we know were not there. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
Then we have this girl's homework packet, psychology homework packet show up. And then, I kid you not, it is about three or four weeks before my graduation. So a few months after the homework, cleaning out the closet thing, right? And I'm walking into, so uh, that hallway that I mentioned, the guy, kind of the elderly man, mm -hmm. kind of going back and forth through, that hallway is really long. It's one of those homes where the hallway is really long and there's bedrooms and bathrooms like off of it, right? My bedroom was at the end of the hallway. And so if you're kind of standing in the hallway, looking down the hallway towards my room, if the doors open, it looks straight into a window on the back side of the house. And usually I have the curtains open or the blinds kind of open and stuff. And this was one night, I, it's like 11.30 or, or something at night. And uh, yes, I had been uh, you know, having a little fun that day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and again, might influence the story probably does and everyone's asleep at home and I turn into the hallway and I see that my door is open and the window through the door is okay think of like the blinds being half pulled up mm -hmm. right and I see this woman's face in the door in the window and I stopped and so I turn on the hallway light because it's right there and then it's gone you know how yeah. it goes in movies and stuff and it's gone. And I was oh like, gosh. all right, that's too much. I was like, that's too far. And literally, ever since that, nothing happened. Oh. I haven't had a single like paranormal or like ghost story since that. I think, actually, I have had one weird experience, but that was more of like just a feeling. Like I didn't see anything. It was just like kind of like a feeling. You know what I mean? Uh, where you're just like, all right, something's not right here. But as far as like seeing things, that was it and I remember that night just being like if this is real I just prayed you know I was like please don't make it like dangerous I was uh -huh. like I'm okay if it's real but like don't threaten me please don't make it go farther mm -hmm. and nothing ever happened after that That's and nice. uh, my parents still live in that home and they said nothing has really happened since then Wow. and so um, I'm thinking it's that room I'm thinking that mm. something in that room happened that was my bedroom. And so it's really, really interesting, really yeah. odd. And those are my stories, yeah. That's really cool. I My last house was definitely haunted. Um, the I lived in it for seven years in Grand Prairie, um, and we moved two summers ago. And... I, I don't know what started it. I think my brothers and I... So we we lived in the upstairs part of our... That's where our rooms are. Um, we had a small upstairs. Like, the upstairs was just our three bedrooms and a bathroom and a hallway. Um, so, I don't know. You know, like, we, it was very, we were all very close. Which was not a problem, but we all experienced... The ghosts, uh, because our, our bedrooms were all basically connected. Um, and it started with noises, uh, like walking, mumbling, uh, whispering, but they never felt negative. I, it, the, the haunting was, was definitely a passive ghost. Um, I kind of got the vibe that maybe the ghost was somewhere between like 25 and 30 years old. 
Um, and one day I was reading some Marvel comic books on my bed. Uh, I didn't have the door or I didn't have the window open. I didn't have the fan on or anything. And then the pages just started like turning by themselves every now and then, like enough to read a, a page. Um, and I wish I had gotten it on a video. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I was just too mesmerized by what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the only visual experiences I had with the ghost. Most of it was audio, but all three of us shared the same experiences. So I knew it wasn't one of us hearing something because it would happen when only one of us was home. It would happen when uh, two of us were home, when all three of us were home. Um, and it was just weird because it would happen at random times throughout the day. It wasn't like um, just at nighttime or anything. Like my uh, my brothers and I would, not frequently, but pretty often, we would poke our heads out of our doors because we would hear somebody walking. And it was just us. And if we were in our rooms, who could be walking in the hallway? Mm-hmm. So we, I think that's the only real ghost experience I've had so far. I think I can see uh, dead people. I think I, I I get a lot of people in my peripherals. Like I am sure that they're real people and then I go to look at them and there's nobody there. Um, and my mom said that she's had that all her life as well. So I think maybe I can see dead people. I don't know. Or it could just be I have shitty eyes and they play tricks on me. Yeah, no, I uh, have a few questions. Like, so what I've noticed is that my mom mm-hmm. has no ghost stories, mm. has no, nothing to share. My brother, not really anything to share, hasn't really felt any interesting experiences. My dad and I are both very spiritual people. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily like religious spiritual, but like spiritual in the sense that like, we think everything's connected in its own way, right? Uh, and that doesn't have to be a bad thing or anything. So um, my dad and I are the only one that share like kind of supernatural, paranormal, whatever mm-hmm. experiences. And so I'm wondering if if it's something about the soul, if it's something about the connection yeah. to a spiritual realm, and it's not necessarily something you're born with, but something that you tap into you you open yourself to it right by believing in it and things like Mm. that and so my question would be like when you hear a ghostly experience or see a ghostly experience do you think that's based on you yourself fear of like it's more it's more frightening to see something than hear it or it's more frightening to hear something than see it or do you think it's more about the ghost and what they want you to see or hear. Well, I've I've never felt a fear towards ghosts or spirits. Yeah. Um, I've always sought out more. If you know, like if I hear something, I always go look to see if I can see something. Um, but I've I don't know. I've never felt afraid of ghosts or when I hear a ghost or see a ghost. I haven't seen a ghost. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But I think it is about the, the, the spirit. I think it's about the, the, the deceased. Uh, I think they... I don't think they, like, decide who can have experiences. But I think that they 
tend to go for more of a certain kind of person, maybe. Is that kind of well, what you were asking? I was, I was basically saying, like, I think maybe they're just living in their realm, right? They're carrying on in their realm. Do you think it's uh, parallel to ours? I think so. And I think, or it's this kind of, like, fluctuation of, mm. like, time and space. That so we sense. might be seeing a past memory. So think about it like this, like, this home that we're in, it's built in 1952. How many people have lived in this home? It's like, yeah, you got to think about that. And so what if we're just seeing past events? If we're not seeing yeah. the parallel of them living in the realm, I but we're seeing, about that. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, so um, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. Go mm -hmm. ahead. No, I was just going to say like, I don't know if it's so much that like they're picking and choosing, mm -hmm. but I think they're just there. Yeah. And the type of person you are or the openness you have spiritually and connection to the spirit realm is what decides whether you see or hear things. And so like, um, I guess my question was like, you know, some people are afraid of that, you know, stuff. And, you know, maybe they're, they're blocking it for that purpose. Whereas like, I don't feel necessarily afraid of it. I'm just curious. I want to know more about it. And so, um, go ahead with what you were going to say though. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I, I read somewhere about some very specific, um, old haunted house. Uh, and the point of it was that they were, they were saying that it aligned with what you were saying about how it's they're just there and you know like we're seeing glimpses of something that happened like when ghosts walk through walls if it's a really old house maybe there was a door where they where that wall was you know and the haunted house that they did that study quote-unquote study for um the floor plan the original floor plan had a doorway where the ghost sightings were going through the wall mm -hmm. Um, so I think that could very much be true. Yeah. I, off that, I want to circle back to what the original point of this, uh, tangent was, which is humanoids and yeah. human like beings. And some of my favorite horror movies have those type of people, like the Babadook. Have you mm. ever seen the Babadook? I haven't watched it. Okay. So Cause the, I'm not a fan of, of scary movies. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, but that's like a psychological thriller to where mm. the Babadook is human-like, but it's still this, like, evil being. It's kind of like that movie Insidious is mm -hmm. sort of like that. A lot of uh, fiction novels are like that, where they make the, the, the evil being or spirit very similar to humans. And I think the reason for doing that is because it's, it's double. It's like yeah. when you see a humanoid or human-like scary evil thing... Not only are you afraid of it because of your distrust in other humans, but turn it on yourself. You're afraid that maybe you could be that. And maybe you could be the evil one day. You could turn into that. And that's just as scary as being yeah, afraid of other people. Yeah. And so that's really interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't really have much to say about aliens, to be honest, though. Like, I've got more to say about, like, ghosts and, like, supernatural stuff, but... Aliens, yeah. that's that's tough for me. I don't I don't even know where to 
I get it. Yeah. I've got like a... we might be the aliens. You know what I mean? True, true, true. Yeah, I think we definitely are. Um, I don't know. I've got a lot to say about aliens, so maybe we'll we save should, it. Let's for... save that for another episode because yeah. I think we have a, a few other things we want to get to. So I've been hyper fixated on whales recently. Um, I have found myself just going into a huge TikTok hole of just watching whale videos. Um, I think they're really peaceful. I think whales are a little bit underappreciated. And I don't like zoos, but it sucks that there's not an easier way for me to look at a whale in in person, you know? Like, obviously, I don't want to, tr- like, you know, like, I don't know. We shouldn't have whales in captivity because they're so big. Mm-hmm. But also, I just wish I could just, like, pay 20 bucks and go hang out with a whale for a little bit. You know? Yeah, no, I understand that. I, uh, I mean, we were just talking about spirituality and stuff, and whales are very spiritual. Uh-huh. They're, um, you know, in many cultures, especially indigenous cultures, they're marked as a very spiritual being, and I totally believe that. And while, yes, there are natural ways to go see whales uh, via boat and right. stuff like that, um, it's not... Um, it's not exactly affordable and so like <laughs> i don't like that they're in captivity i don't think they should be no i think um i think it's just not it's not the right move at all and so um yeah i uh i wish that there was a easier way to see whales i mean we are in north texas so right. like, there's, there's no whales around i get that um and yeah that's yeah. pretty much that's pretty much my thoughts on that is like I I would love to go um, you know on a, on a big boat to mm-hmm. go see some whales uh, whether in the ocean or you know just um, even um, even just around the world like plan mm-hmm. I think what it is is like planning any vacation I might take and understand like well am I gonna be able to see some whales and mm-hmm. like just Find ways to see some whales, and uh, the cool thing about the internet is that at least you're able to like travel via the internet right. because you can like get on TikTok or you can get on like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and see other people's experiences with whales. But it's just not the same. Like I want to go see some whales. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm afraid of the water and dark water so yeah. i don't know if i want to get in there with the whales that's kind of a bit that's a that's intense for me i well, will admit that i was thinking about that last night um i was watching two of the videos that i watched over and over again were it was one uh it was a couple of people kayaking uh and it i don't know i'm gonna sound stupid if i try to say where they probably were but it had a switzerland vibe so, like, that's kind of, like, they were kayaking in that kind of, the, the area looked like Switzerland might look. Like, I don't know if there are any whales near Switzerland. That's not the point. But they were kayaking with them, and they just showed up out of nowhere. I thought, wow, that would be so cool. And the next one I watched is they were scuba diving with them, and they were, like, super close, like, brushing up against the whales. I think I could do that, because to me, whales are in some like they're very much passive animals but it's sort of just like they're like the protectors of the ocean i guess because they're huge 
nothing really like fucks with a whale. Um, so I don't know. I would be, I would feel safe swimming with whales. I wouldn't feel safe swimming alone with like dolphins or anything smaller, but because of the size of the whales, I would be good. Like I, I could totally do it. Okay. I, I get what you're saying. Like it's almost like inverting that fear, yeah. uh, based on like probability instead of possibility. Yeah. Um, to your point about Switzerland, I'm pretty sure Switzerland is quite landlocked, so I don't think oh. the whales were there. But that would probably. But I get what you mean by yeah, it being kind of like, like colder looking, yes. and like mountainous. Yes, yes, exactly. I would imagine maybe like Iceland, Greenland, like some Nordic areas. Wouldn't uh, surprise me. That, Definitely that would, not Switzerland. Yeah, that would, yeah, that would make sense. I don't know. I guess I don't know. We would have to. We're not experts on that. Right. But, um, for me, with whales, like. I guess I could get in the water with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess um, uh, I guess religion definitely um, in- oh. inspired the whole Jonah and the whale story for yeah. me. And for me as a kid, that always um, made me fearful of mm-hmm. whales, I guess, in a way of that sense of like they literally can just swallow you whole. That's... And again, getting it's not necessarily that I would be mad that they did it. It'd be more that like I'm claustrophobic. I would I would die instantly, basically, because yeah. I there's just no way the Jonah story is real. That, right, that's right. Impossible, literally. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter what you believe. It, <laughs> it was written by humans, and I get the moral of the story, but it's just not true. Yeah, it literally can't be. So. Um, I don't know. I, I think what sort of disperses that fear for me is that I assume that if whales are going to be eating while I'm there, they're going to be doing the thing where they like open up their lips and their little like hairy teeth get the krill and stuff. You know, like I don't feel like I'm going to accidentally get, yeah. I, I don't feel like they're going to open up their mouth yeah. wide enough for me. Yeah. And like I know, but that, I get that. Yeah, it's a it's a very valid fear. I guess it's kind of like a human guilt thing. Like I know that whales are very intelligent, and I know mm-hmm. that they probably don't see us as threats and right. things like that. Uh, but we are threats. Yeah. You know, we're the only thing that really does hunt and kill them, and so I don't know if they. I would imagine that whales are very communicative and have memory and, and intelligence and, and know how to tell other whales to be cautious of humans. And so knowing that we have historically messed with them and killed them, yeah. that's where the fear, I think, comes in for me. I don't know. Like, if you could, if, if, if an expert could lead me on a whale uh, sighting, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. That makes sense. Still a little fearful, but I think I'd be okay with that. I love I love the idea of um, swimming with them, though. Like, I can have a lot of romanticism about that because, like, swimming with dolphins would be cool, but I'd feel like an idiot. Like, <laughs> like dolphins are just too good at it. Yeah. You know, like they're really yeah. whereas whales they move slow. Yeah, they and just like kinda, it they just kinda yeah, they, they float through the they water. float through. Yeah. And I'm like, well that's more my speed. You know, yeah. I mean? even though I know they travel fast. It's just like, yes, that's I could I could mess with that. 
dolphins. They'd be doing tricks and like 360s, jumping out of the water and stuff. And I'd just feel stupid, honestly. And I'd be embarrassed. I'd be like, nah. Yeah. Show off. Show yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. Um, <sighs> dolphins are pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they do a lot of, they do a lot of human stuff. Yeah. They're very, um, sexual. They too, are. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is interesting. Um, they get high off of... I heard about uh, puffer, puffer fish. fish. Yeah, 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 that's pretty funny. Um, somebody said puff puff pass, which is... <laughs> that's just... It was right there. Yeah. It's easy. That's an easy joke. That's great. That's great. Love it. Um, but yeah, whales. Closing whales. argument on whales is like... I think they represent spirituality. Yeah. And like connection to the earth and a... Mm, I guess much less common thought. Like usually, you know, we've got land animals that are like connectors to the earth, but whales are connectors to the earth of like in a big way because uh, a big percentage of the earth is water and the yeah. ocean. And so like they're just so mystic, mm -hmm. so mysterious. I love it. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think like... Uh... My one of my favorite uh, details in any kind of like fantasy kind of uh, or like video game is like sky whales. It's very you know like sky whales that whale. yeah or space whales. Um, I don't know whales are very they're just so versatile and and like you said very spiritual and I feel like it it's always such a good touch to uh, any kind of uh, video game or fantasy kind of a setting. Sky whales or or any literally any kind of whale. Yeah, uh, it's such a good. It sets the tone really well. Yeah, think, uh, speaking of sky whales, the only thing that I can really think of from my experience uh, in the fantasy world is uh, Marvel, and when you know they're fighting like Thanos's army, and they they're fighting like um, I can't remember the species or the people they are, but you know those big whale machine oh, yeah, spaceships. From the first Avengers yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Um, is a that makes me think of that. Yeah. 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 Space whales. Yeah. Space whales. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you watch Hank Green and uh, what's the other one? Who's John Green? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. John Green. John yeah. Green. The Green Brothers. The Green Brothers. The Green Brothers. Do you uh, watch their in, uh, their YouTube's and stuff? Like I that? I don't know that I'm out of school. I I will say that I'm I'm guilty of not keeping up. Uh, now that I'm not in school, but. Yeah, um, I, for many years, I've been a huge fan of the Green Brothers. Um, my, my very first experience was in sixth grade, uh, when I first picked up the, the Fault in Our Stars book, mm -hmm. um, written by John Green, and that was my first ever experience with any, any, or either of the, the Green Brothers. A lot of people started off with John Green from... Crash Course. Crash Course, yeah. Um, I started off with his uh, author side, and I read it. I've, I own, technically, every book he's ever written uh, that I n currently know of, uh, unless there are some that I don't know of. But I'm pretty positive I own all of his books. Um, they're all very good. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we were talking about whales, and I was thinking about Alaska, and yeah. I like for me, like, going on a cruise, mm -hmm. like, I don't like cruise ships. Um, I don't think they're a smart idea. Um, they're horrible for the environment. And I so, 
I think being on a boat might be cool to go see some whales in Alaska and, you know, I don't know if you've read it, Looking Look for, for Alaska. Alaska. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was good. That was my introduction to yeah. John Green. And okay. uh, and then becoming a teacher, I heard about Crash Course. I heard about all these things. And so I, yeah, I blazed through the, the um, world history mm-hmm. um, playlist. Uh, yeah. John Green does. Uh, and then there's some there's some other good ones. Hank uh, Green has his own uh, crash course too. Yeah. I, I found out uh, yeah. my junior year of high school. Yeah. Uh, what does he do? Does they've, he do they've science? expanded. They've they expanded have. to where it's like there's like a political one. There's like a sociology one. Okay. Um, math and science. Oh wow, and stuff. that's cool. Hank, what is Hank? Hank, I thought was science. Maybe I didn't watch his very much. For some reason, something like biology or like chemistry is yeah it's kind of sticking out to me i I don't know if that's true i don't watch the crash course anymore but i do have i do get my daily uh hank green because hank green is uh he has a tiktok Mm -hmm. uh and he's become very loved and very uh active on tiktok for sure so i i still watch his videos every day and Um, yeah, I still don't have uh, TikTok, but I've seen some <laughs> of his videos, and uh, they're pretty funny. He does I'll a like... lot of science. Yeah. So that would probably make sense for the crash yeah. course. That's that's so cool that the brothers can be kind of you know this this team of educators, and yeah. um, you can tell they're loved and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean. I don't know. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about with uh, the Green Brothers or anything? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, my favorite book, which just a book recommendation, um, is his most recent one, Turtles All the Way Down. Mm. Um, if you want to read it, I have a copy of it. So if you want to borrow my copy. Um, if not, I don't care. But uh, it's very good. Uh, Hank Green... Uh, de, or sorry, jo, I'm sorry. John Green, is, he he does a lot with um, I don't want to say mental health, but the sort of like when you're a kid and your brain sort of does certain things and you don't really feel like it's normal, but then you read a book where another teenager is going through the same stuff and it makes you it sort of just validates your own feelings. Uh, a lot of John Green books did that for me, and especially uh, Turtles All the Way Down. Um, it really helped me sort of work through uh, a lot that I was going through in my senior year and a lot of stuff that I had dealt with in my past years, and it sort of gave me a little bit of closure. Um, and I don't know, I, I related to to the main character a lot and and the book is sort of set in her head uh and she as she kind of deals with the turmoil uh of the things she experiences and it doesn't really have a resolution that uh, that his books normally have it it has a different kind of peacefulness of uh just not knowing um it's almost like an acceptance yeah. of like the uncertainty, which can, yeah. in its what in its own way, be a resolution mm-hmm. without being like a physical or eventful resolution. That's right. I, I, I like that. That's nice. I'm gonna um, bother, bother borrow that for sure. Yeah, yeah it's very good. 
Um, he he writes teen novels, but I feel like they can be enjoyed by anybody. Just yeah, they're just so universal. Right. Yeah. And there's a there's a lot of young adult uh, novels that you you can say that about. And so yeah, um, yeah I'm gonna definitely read that. everybody it's me i'm currently editing this week's show and i just wanted to take a break to let you guys know uh everybody who works on this podcast uh so basically it's really just me and jacob um but our uh cover art is done by my great friend tori uh you can find her on instagram uh by searching crapload dot of dot crafts uh, so crapload of crafts with with a uh, period between each word. Uh, she has done some amazing work for me before, and she's a super talented artist. Um, we just have forgotten to uh, credit her each week, unfortunately. Um, so that's who our art is done by. Uh, you should go give her a follow. Um, our music, our intro and outro songs are done by Jacob. Uh, he wrote and composed them himself, and I do all of the editing work. Uh, so really, it's just us two. Um, but yeah, so uh, thank you to Jacob for the music, and thank you to Tori for our wonderful art. Uh, coming up right after this, uh, I just wanted to give a fair warning. It does get a little bit emotional, um, but it is something that is very near and dear to my heart, and it's very important to me. Uh, but I just wanted to give you guys a warning in case, you know, you get a little bit caught off guard. Um, if you're somebody who can't really handle emotional things, uh, that's fine. Uh, I would go ahead and give it, uh, I would stop listening now if you can't really, uh, handle it, but you might be a little bit lost, uh, in future episodes. Uh, but just, this is your last warning. It's about to get a little bit emotional, um but in a good way. I want to say my earliest memories of questioning uh, my own gender were probably when I would... uh, for for the early years of my life, my uh, my grandma raised my brother and I, um, and the the earliest memory I have of that is going to like McDonald's uh, and getting a Happy Meal, and I would always ask my grandparents if they could get me the girl toy instead, and I think that was uh, the. When I was reassessing myself a couple years ago, I think that was probably the first thing that came up. Um, That's sort of how it uh, started pointing the compass in the right direction, so to say. Um, And I don't know, uh, around eighth grade, I started having really strong feelings of I guess you could say uh, not being comfortable with who I was, but it wasn't like a, a weight thing or, or like a, an appearance kind of thing. It was just sort of like the, the vessel I was in 
just was not uh, matching up at all uh, with with who I felt that I was. Um, so I have uh, what's called gender dysphoria, which used to be um, classified as a mental illness. I think is now classified as just an incongruence. Um, but uh, it's it's basically just that it's an incongruence. It's sort of just when your uh, when your gender and your sex don't match up. Um, it's the I think my go to um, comparison is like if you went in your closet and you put on every item of clothing that you have and then tried to wear it. That's sort of what being in my body feels like all the time. It just feels like I am not supposed to be wearing the clothes that I'm wearing, kind of. But the clothes are my skin, and it's my whole body. Um, and I started getting that around 7th and 8th grade. And that's when I started doing uh, research and, and talking to people who uh, knew a little bit more than I did. Um, and I wasn't really sure what I was doing. I was sort of just throwing a dart randomly at a wall uh, and hoping to hit something. Uh, and then in eighth or in uh, ninth grade, my freshman year of high school, um, on October eleventh, two thousand sixteen, I publicly came out uh, as transgender. Uh, using she or her pronouns, and uh, I got a lot of really positive feedback. Um, I got, oh, I was surrounded by uh, people who were ready to uh, make that change. Um, I was in, that was my first year of Color Guard, uh, so I had a lot of seniors that I really looked up to and they were all immediately um, ready to go like yes perfect we're good you know no questions asked uh, kind of thing and I think that was um, I think that was really helpful uh, in my in my journey um, I, I'm definitely lucky to to have that much support, um, especially when I didn't really get it from my family uh, at the time. I definitely didn't get anything uh, from my dad, and my mom was, I think, just confused at first. Um, but she's been uh, a little bit more of uh, a supportive parent in the recent years, for sure. Um, my brother has been kind of... I don't know. It at first he didn't he wasn't really accepting, but he's uh, definitely grown up and in, in sort of as a just as a person in general, and uh, he's become very um, very accepting and very open minded. Um, and it took about three years, but uh, three years after I came out, I finally was able to uh, get started on HRT, which is um, hormone replacement therapy. Uh, so I take, uh, I used to take five pills, now I only take three pills. Um, 
But actually, when I started HRT, my doctor told me, and I had never done, like, some um, younger trans people will take, like, birth control instead of HRT because it'll still get you the estrogen, uh, but it's really unsafe and, and not a good way to do it. Um, and I hadn't been doing anything, but my doctor told me that the before blood work that he did... Um, it said that my estrogen levels were uh, way higher than normal and my testosterone levels were way lower than normal. So uh, he said that it was probably a sign, you know, and that was really, I don't know. It, it, that really helped me a lot. I think that just a sort of, uh, I was nervous going into it, going into the HRT because everybody drives home the fact that there's a lot of irreversible stuff and that just makes it really scary. Um, but the the whole uh, estrogen and testosterone levels really reassured me that uh, that this is what I you know need to be doing. Um, so in a couple of days, um, I well it's in four days I'll have been on HRT for a year. Um, so I have had a lot of changes. Um, my chest has grown a lot, which is nice. It's fun. Uh, my facial hair has not thinned out. Uh, it's thinned out a little bit, but it is, um, it's still pretty thick, thicker than, than I would like. Um, but that's something that I'm trying to be okay with. Uh, it really eats me up, uh, most of the time, but I'm working through it. Um, you know, I, I think it's just genetics. My whole family has lots of facial hair, so, you know, there are ways around it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, I, I think starting in the summer, I started really questioning if I was going to keep going by Taylor um, because I, I just feel like I'm a, a different person uh, now that I've been on uh, hormones. I didn't I hadn't really thought about changing my name for a while. Um, after all these years, I was fine with Taylor, but now I just feel like I'm turning into the person I want to be and the person I'm meant to be. And I feel like Taylor is no longer who I am, so the name doesn't really suit me anymore. Um, after a couple of months of trying and trying different names, I settled on B, um, spelled like B-E-A, but pronounced like the insect. Um, that was uh, just the name that my partner used for a while and it was the the one that fit uh, the best and it was the one that that I like to hear the most. So um, I think nobody really tells you about how hard it is to change your name. Um, even just like changing all my social media stuff is just like really tedious and my email has Taylor in it so now I have to figure that out and try and get a new email and um, they don't even tell you how hard it is to get it changed legally. Um, I have to go through a bunch of different court systems and the judges in Texas can actually deny you a name change and it's very complicated uh, but that is my next step is, is getting it changed legally but for now uh, I, everybody who 
isn't my family, it's calling me B, so that's nice. Um, I just don't think my family is going to use B until I get it changed legally. I don't think they'll uh, make the, the switch yet. But that is its own thing, uh, you know. That's fine. If they don't want to, then that's on them. But, uh, yeah, I am 18. Uh, I am a trans woman. And my name is B. Um, something that I tell most people is that um, I am always open to questions because uh, there's a lot of misinformation and, and, you know, a lot of guessing that, that goes on. And I never had anybody to ask questions to. So I'm always open to questions regardless of who it is or what the question is. Um, including you, Jacob. So if you have, you know, if you have questions. Yeah. And B, thank you for sharing your, your truth. I think this is very important and very helpful not only for yourself i can see that you're glowing a little bit and just a few minutes ago um you were feeling rather heavy and rather afraid and this is what it's about is for a long time like you mentioned with your story you didn't feel you were you and now you are and i think that's what everyone needs to understand about this. It's okay to be confused and not totally understand, but this is, you're a human being and you are living a human experience. And how dare anyone say that there's one way to experience this life. Yeah. You deserve to be you and you, need, you deserve to feel you. And... My question, I guess, would be not that you're an expert or anything, but you're an expert on your lived experience. And you're the only one that knows exactly how it feels and not feels to feel like you, right? So imagine, if you will, a listener who potentially is feeling very similar or knows someone who's feeling very similar. Do you have any, again, we're not an advice podcast or anything, but do you have anything to offer to those people that might be either feeling very similar to your story and right now listening to us talk about this and feeling like there's room for being home and feeling at home and at peace. And then also for anyone who might know someone who is feeling that way. Yeah. Um, and this really goes uh, uh, definitely um, for, for young people for sure. If you have friends and they will not immediately make the change to, to fit your needs, you know, if, if you ask them to use different pronouns and they don't, if they don't immediately make that change, then they're just not the kind of person you need to be around. Um, I think that your your surroundings are incredibly crucial uh, to how you're going to develop uh, and 
like nine out of ten times the home part is the worst part and the hardest part um and uh you know we we can't really have control over that um so if you can surround yourself with people who want to to help you get where you need to go uh then i think it'll make it a lot easier um uh, to, to become the person you want to be. And if you have a friend who recently or, or at any point is going through this, um, then just be, you know, just be an ear for them. Um, do, do whatever you think that they need, uh, say whatever you think they need to hear. You know, I mean, they, uh, if they tell you that, they're questioning their identity. That is something that is uh, incredibly difficult to open up to somebody about. Um, so if you know, if you know somebody who's who's dealing with that, then just make sure that they know uh, that you're a friend and you're not going to judge them in any way for uh, what they're feeling. And and that goes for adults too. Uh, you know, I mean. Uh, I've known some adults who who have had a hard time uh, getting started with their with their stuff because it's just not as easy. The older you get, the harder it gets. I feel like to uh, be comfortable with the transition. So the the same thing goes for anybody who's an adult. What are you most excited about presently and future wise as being B? Ooh, I think, um, hmm. I think the thing that I'm most excited about, um, is probably just, uh, probably just clothes. I think, I think that is, I'm, I'm most excited about finally getting to wear clothes that I'm comfortable with wearing. And I've worn baggy sweatpants and sweatshirts for years. Uh, and I think I'm ready to, uh, be comfortable with my silhouette. I think that's what I'm most excited for. If anyone's listening that might be a friend, someone who is already and has been supporting you as you make this deeply intimate and personal journey, um, what would you like to reaffirm for them or say to them? Um, really just thank you. Um, I, you know, the, the people that I still have with me uh, after everything that has happened in my general vicinity for the past four years, um, everybody who's still here is uh, just an amazing person. And uh, I appreciate it so much. Um, I think, um, you know, I think the, the most common question I got was, was about changing my name. Uh, and there, at one point I did consider trying Elizabeth, uh, back when I was in high school and a group of, uh, uh, a group of friends that I had that were in color guard, um, were incredibly supportive uh, for that. And honestly, I don't think that I would be comfortable with changing my name now had it not been for them uh, back then. So 
those couple of friends that that used that in high school I think really uh, boosted my self-esteem uh, now so it, it's sort of like you know butterfly effect kind of thing uh, although I don't think that's technically the butterfly effect but you get my point you know um, yeah I, I think um, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's who's been supportive on my dinner party last year that I that I had for I had a dinner party at Olive Garden mm -hmm. <laughs> for my um, three-year anniversary um, of when I came out because I had never celebrated before um, and I just really wanted to that year for whatever reason um, so you were there a couple of my friends were there some more people were there it was nice thank you for listening this is onward I'm your co-host Jacob and I'm your co-host B have a good one <laughs>